Hey everyone. Yes, Drake is moving to H-Town, but who else would you like to see live here? Plus, are there racial disparities in how HPD is pulling citizens over? And Beyonce Weekend is here, so you know dynamic media personality Antrichelle Nova is hyped as she joins Pulitzer Prize finalist Evan Mintz to recap the news from the week. It's Friday, September 22nd, 2023. I'm Raheel Ramzan Ali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Okay, by now, I think everyone knows that Drake is moving to Houston, and he has a relationship with Houston, right? So he's moving back here. He announced it. Everyone's freaking out. Everyone's excited. But I want to open it up with this. If you could have any celebrity from anywhere move to Houston, who would it be? Antrichel, start us off. What? I mean... All the best celebrities are already from Houston, so why do I need anybody else to come here, right? We're celebrities in our own right, and I just don't really be getting into all of that because if they live here, are we going to talk? Are we going to be friends? So I don't care. Stay where you at. Okay. Nobody. (laughs) You want, hey, you stay where you're at. You don't want anyone else moving to Houston. We already have enough traffic as is. But it's going to just continue to create mayhem, right? Like, um, think about when you go to LA and everybody's like, oh, there's, there's, it's the hype. It's like, y'all, we chilling over here. You know, we slow boogie over here. Let's just keep doing what we doing. If you come here, cool. Just be low key. We ain't got time. It's funny in LA, it's almost, they're, they're just citizens, right? Yeah. Like they're just normal people. It was, I was shopping on a Sunday morning and I saw Tyler, the creator, and nobody freaked out. In fact, I went up to him and I was like, thank you for making awesome music. And we just moved on. And that's what, you know, Houston could be. So who knows? Evan, how about you? You know, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think which celebrity would probably be the biggest support for the Houston economy. Uh, and I'll just go with the cliche. I'll say Taylor Swift. Let's have Taylor Swift move here. I want every Swifty like waiting in line at House of Pies. <laughs> I want every Taylor Swift fan like flying in for a weekend, going all to the the hot Taylor Swift spots. <laughs> like let's let's figure out like what her favorite barbecue place is, where she goes for burgers. I don't I don't know what she does in her personal yeah. life, whatever. Where she goes on dates, and then everyone's going to be going to those places. It'll be good. Okay, a Swifty movement. I like that one. I would take Larry David. I want Larry David here in the city of Houston (laughs) just for the comedic relief. Like, I just want him around pointing out the funny things about Houston. So that would be pretty cool. No, 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 no. No, I disagree. Do you know how long the wait already is for lunch at Kenny and Ziggy's? Like, I already have got to, like, stand in line for 20 minutes. I don't want anyone else in front of me when it comes to lunch. This podcast is pretty, 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 pretty good. All right, let's get to our biggest stories of the week. Ladies first, Antra Shell, what do you got for us? Listen, you know what it is. You know what this weekend is. And if you're sleeping under a rock, I'll tell you, honey, the queen is coming home. Mother is returning home to Houston. That's right. Beyonce is in concert this weekend. And... The city is going crazy. Now, some people feel like the city is not going as crazy as they did for Taylor Swift. So there's commotion about that. But we're going to focus on the good. And let's talk about what every Beehive member needs to know when it comes to the Beyonce concert this weekend. Listen, 
We know our Beehive members like to stand in line and get there early, 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 early. The parking lot opens at 4.30 p.m. The parking fee is $40 per space. There is no in and out access. That means once you get there, stay there. Now, NRG is selling parking passes via Ticketmaster. Go ahead and grab that $44, okay? Grab that $44 pass. Get in there. You in there. Stay there. Merch will be available. Public accessible merch truck will be open outside the Bud Light Plaza on the southeast side of the NRG Stadium from 12 p.m. until 9 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. There will be parking fees, all right? Now, listen, there are rideshare pickups in the yellow lot of the Main Street, limousine and party buses for the fancy people. They go through the green lot on gate 13, and that's pretty much all you need to know. Oh, there will be road closures around NRG Stadium. That's where Houstonians who not going to the concert. Everybody going to be there, so I don't know the three people that's not going, right? <laughs> Who's going to be there? I'm not going to be there. I can't afford Evan. those tickets. I'm not I'm not taking out my daughter's college fund to go see Beyonce <laughs> Listen, now. Come on. There's a limit to my love, and my limit is $150, okay? You guys, I got my <laughs> outfit. I'm just going to be up there in the parking lot. I'll pay the $40, and I'll play Beyonce hits and dance in the parking lot. If I find a game, what is it, game share? There's an app that sells tickets the day of. If I find one for one, 50, I'm up in there. If not, I'll be out there in the parking lot, two-stepping and uh, on mute. Okay, I'm gonna be on. I'm gonna be on target. All right. <laughs> Are y'all ready for the beehive this weekend? Oh, it's gonna be crazy, right, Evan? That's gonna be exciting. I, I love it when just anything big is happening in the city. You know, get people out of their homes. Let's all get into some public spaces. That's what the city is for. Yes, yes. The other note here, Antrichel, there are gonna be more metro rides available for the concert. So make sure you check those out as well and get there early. It is gonna be hectic getting in because of the amount of traffic, not only with the people going to the concert, but as you mentioned, a lot of people are just gonna show up and show party up. out outside at this point nrg should just open up the roof and make it a free concert for everybody right let no. the sounds echo around the city Mm-mm. as they've already said will nrg stadium's roof be open no they got it capitalized mm-hmm. they got it bold no nrg will not open the roof and they shouldn't because it ain't for everybody okay you gotta be there to experience and as a a serious beyonce fan since the beginning it's an experience Experience that you will never forget. It definitely is. Now, they did say um, Beyonce will likely hit the stage around 8.39 p.m., but if you know, mm. Mother gets on stage, and it is two hours nonstop. So be ready, be prepared, be hydrated. Please, team, we ain't got time for you passing out because we got to dance, and I'm not taking care of nobody if you fall out, okay? Evan, do you have a favorite Beyonce song off the top of your head? Oh, uh, Drunken Love. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. It's great. That whole album, Beyonce, I, I remember that came out. Me and my friends, we would sit around, was living in Montrose, turn on the smoke machine, put on the red light, and just watch yeah. it. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. What's yours, so Ray That's mine, too. Is it? It's such a good song. I love Drunken Love. I think the production value, Jay-Z's feature on it, it's so good. Oh, yeah. L- listen, mine's hand down. I'm old school, naughty girl. That was, that's my that's theme one. song. That is the epitome of like, I'm here. I am not a little girl anymore. I'm grown. 
And so a naughty girl will always be my favorite. <laughs> Love it. All right, Evan, let's get to your biggest story of the week. What do you got? Oh, the biggest story of the week is that Ken Paxton was acquitted. The impeachment trial came to its conclusion, and only two Republicans joined Democrats in the Senate to remove him. That's Senator Bob Nichols of Jacksonville and Kelly Hancock of North Richmond Hills. The Texas Tribune reports that some of the other senators were kind of on the fence, maybe willing to remove him. They wanted to be the 21st vote, but nobody wanted to be number 20. And because they couldn't get it over, they just wouldn't vote for him. But I think what really comes out of this is the huge fallout. Dan Patrick, who seemed to be pretty unbiased throughout the whole thing, is now attacking the House and Speaker Phelan, saying the whole process was rushed and he wants to see how much money was spent on the impeachment process. Ken Paxton went on Tucker Carlson and attacked basically every Republican in the state. He went after Patrick for his gag order, saying that he was silenced. He went after state controller Glenn Hager for saying he couldn't be paid while on suspension during trial. And bizarrely, he even went after John Cornyn, who's in the U.S. Senate, totally different governmental body, accusing him of not doing anything over three terms in the Senate and apparently hinting at an upcoming primary challenge. But I have to take a moment to defend Cornyn because his name is going to be on any major bill that makes its way to the Senate. The Bipartisan Safer Communities Act, the Chips and Sciences Act, and critically, he was even willing to put a hold on a Trump appointee to force the Senate to vote on the Harvey recovery bill when the rest of the Senate refused to act. I'm not going to vote for John Cornyn. I don't usually vote for Republicans at the federal level, but I've got to say, show the man a little respect. But that's what politics is now in Texas. Up and down, black is white, crime is king. Okay, speaking of who's paying for what, for Paxton, who was paying for his attorney fees? Was it the state or was that personal? He could pay for that out of his campaign fund. So he was fundraising throughout the whole thing. So there's some questions there about where did that money come from? Mm. But in his term as attorney general, he's basically gutted the Texas Ethics Commission. So... Who knows? Right, Evan, the old saying is, if the kitchen model don't fit, you must acquit. (laughs) (laughs) It is so crazy from all of the storylines, all of the bombshell reporting, from all of the scandalous stuff that came out of this trial, nothing stuck, and he was acquitted. Mm -mm. It's it's a real shame. And, you know, it's going to be a chilling effect on any future whistleblower who sees bad action happening in government, thinking maybe I should step up. Maybe I should speak out. Nope. (laughs) You're just going to get smacked down. Any thoughts, Andrew Show? I mean, y'all have talked about this so much. Y'all have already been saying, like, yo, this is big. I just find joy in here, y'all, go back and forth about this issue. So I ain't got no thoughts. You know, I don't do all that political stuff, but I'm just saying, like, uh, this is fun. No stress. <laughs> no stress, man. I live in a world of, of uh, unicorns and, and rainbows. I try to, at least, but it's like, y'all, this is funny. <laughs> Well, you know, we were denied some entertaining moments. Paxton's woman on the side wasn't forced to get on the stand. She was going to take the fifth. Paxton didn't have to testify. And also this whole time, we have the writer's strike going on. This could have been fodder for late night TV, but all the writers are out there demanding their fair share. All right, I'm going to go to my biggest story of the week. A new report from the Texas Civil Rights Project showed the racial disparities among Houstonians who were pulled over for non-moving traffic violations by HPD. The report found that Houston's black drivers accounted for nearly 42% of these stops, despite the fact that 
only 23% of Houston's population is black, according to census data. And this comes from Houston Public Media. In comparison, Hispanic drivers made up about 31%, while white drivers accounted for about 25%. The report also found that black drivers made up nearly 60% of the over 2,700 arrests that occurred after these non-moving traffic violations. The report did recommend that police stop non-safety traffic stops so they can focus more on moving violations like speeding and drunk driving. What are y'all's thoughts on this? I mean, we kind of already knew it, right, that this is happening, but this report is now saying it up front. This is happening. uh, Welcome to my life. I just kind of feel like, you know... (laughs) this is something my mother used to say all the time uh, when I would debate with her and she's already told me this before. She go, I guess it sounds better when you say it. And that's how I feel about this. We we already knew this. This is our reality as a black woman in America, as a black person in America or just alive for that matter. I guess it sounds better when the report come out. You think they'll do something about it now, guys? You think something will change? <laughs> Let me know. I mean, I hope so. You, you see these reports all across the country. I just saw one out of California from the Public Policy Institute of California, which found basically the same result, that black people are much more likely to be pulled over. They're more likely to be searched, even though police are less likely to find contraband. And I think there's an argument there that law enforcement officers are spending a lot of their time stopping people uh, and not getting anything no. out of it not getting guns, not getting drugs. It is a huge time suck. And I think maybe there's a public safety argument to be made that people who normally wouldn't be sympathetic to this might hear, which is that we need to use our law enforcement more efficiently and more effectively. I mean, stop hassling people. You don't need to hassle. You guys, it's the truth. It happened to me. You know, it happened to me. I was just sitting in a parking lot. I was in a play. I was sitting in the parking lot, gathering my thoughts, reading the program And the police rolled up on me and I was like, oh, I was in this play. I'm just sitting here. And I mean, took me out the car, searched me, searched my entire car, called backup. I will never forget that day. And it was in a dark parking lot. And all I had to do was stay calm. And and, and as you know, as a person who talks a lot, I said nothing because I was in fear Mm. of my life. And I didn't say anything. And even the second car had to say, what are you looking for? And I heard him whisper. What are you looking for? And it was it was about 15, 20 minutes for nothing. So now imagine 15, 20 minutes is not that long, but it felt like forever. I've got to imagine interaction with that doesn't exactly leave like a good taste in your mouth when it comes to interacting Absolutely with law enforcement. Not. We need to be building trust between communities and police. Stuff like that undermines it. How do you think we feel when you hear our child say uh, the police helps people? Right. He's five. What do you say? How do how do you say sure they do when you know, you know, when do you break it to them? Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other part of this report also states that the stops were impacting those with lower incomes and thus, you know, moving that poverty cycle forward where you are finding people who can't afford it. And now they have to pay those fines and it just creates this unnecessary cycle. And that's the other big part of this report that I was like, wow, yeah, like, duh, it's happening. Can we stop this? 
Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our most <laughs> overlooked story. Answer, Shell, what was yours? So let's talk about this. There are some religious groups that are saying, they're not saying, they're co- concerned over the decline of marriage in the U.S. Ain't nobody getting married no more, y'all. And the, the religious groups are concerned. Here are the stats that they're coming up with. They're saying 42% of mainline Protestants say fewer people are getting married will have a negative impact on the future of the country versus, versus just 7% who say this will be positive. I am not concerned. I'm just like, y'all, marriage is different from when it was back then, but I never thought of it impacting us as a country an economy, or even a state, if you will. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think that you talk to economists, you talk to sociologists, you talk to policymakers, and they'll say that there is a connection between marriage and good life outcomes, that having stable homes with two parents is good for kids. How you encourage that, nobody Mm -hmm. really knows. Like People have put ideas out there of doing ad campaigns or tax incentives or this and that. But as far as I can see, we don't really have any strong evidence that anything Mm -hmm. works. I would say if you want people to get married, put your money where your mouth is. Let's just do a massive expansion of the child tax credit. (laughs) Kids are expensive. Like pay people for that and you'll see a lot of marriage. So. Or you're gonna see a lot of kids out of marriage for a tax. A break. lot of cheering. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, just saw a lot of kids. Too. I didn't see a lot of union. I saw a lot of kids. <laughs> We're gonna what? see a lot of those signs <laughs> in A Leaf. Hey, we got extra kids you can claim on your tax. <laughs> you see those during tax season, it is wild. <laughs> yeah, what? you guys, they're actually what? saying that the plunge is not a surprise uh, because marriage has been on decline since 2016. And they're saying the pandemic is what really, really, really threw the marriage numbers out of the way. I just really think people just, when they had to finally just sit down with that person, because think about it, you're busy every day. Your ship's passing in the night. You talk, you meet at dinner, you go out. When you mm-hmm. had to face that person, you'd say, baby, I don't think I like you no more. I don't think mm-hmm. this is what we need to be doing. <laughs> and you throw in dating apps. You yes. throw in the fact that you don't need marriage anymore to survive. You know, that partnership really isn't necessary financially as well for a lot of people. This is what happens. And here's my statement on this. Okay. If you're going to get married, make sure it's the right person because... Divorce sucks, right? And you don't want to go through that, yeah. And if, especially if there's kids involved. So make sure it's the right person. Don't rush into it. And if it's the right one, get married. If it's not, don't get married. It's all good. Absolutely. As a person who is divorced and remarried, my husband and I are both divorced and we are now married to each other. This is the best for both of us. I'm going to say this. Who you marry matters. Don't marry for potential, marry for what you need, not what you want. Marry for what you need, mm-hmm. You, the person you need, the type of person, right? Because you're going to grow and change. Make sure that person is able to grow with you. It has to be that continuous growth or else it ain't gonna last, baby. I think that's spot on. And, and uh, one thing I got to add is that when you marry someone, you don't just marry them. You marry their whole family. Oh, yeah. They're going to be part of your family now. And you've got to keep in mind, those people are going to be with you every step of the way. Or not. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I don't know. And if that's, and that's the thing. You have to decide, are you going to be okay with 
if you if if that is that person going to be okay with focusing on just y'all's family and not dealing with it? There are a lot of things. It's more than just I love you. We look good together. This is the perfect. It's a mo. It's a lot more than that. Oh, Evan, you spoke a word. There's a lot of dynamics at play for sure. Mm-hmm. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Evan, let's get to your most overlooked story. All right. I think the most overlooked story is the county budget. Nothing happened. There was no controversy. The dog didn't bark. Lena Dalga wasn't there. She's still on mental health leave, and it gave the opportunity for Tom Ramsey to try to break quorum, but he didn't. He voted for it. $2.4 billion raises across the board for employees, including law enforcement. About two-thirds of the budget is for the justice system, and everything just went swimmingly. Everybody was all smiles. I think that's incredible. That's a good sign for all of the heated rhetoric that you see from some of the Republicans outside of county government, notably Alexandra Mueller, who's been throwing punches against Lena Hidalgo. Everything just went well. And in fact, Tom Ramsey, the only Republican, said that he would support a tax rate increase for the flood control district next year. The state limits how much you can raise taxes and they'll have to get approval from the voters. Ramsey said he wants to ask voters to give them a substantial increase so we can build more detention ponds and drainage ditches and make sure that our city doesn't flood. Isn't that good to see government working and people working together and they just (laughs) got it done without any smear campaigns, without any hot takes, without any tweets or X's? What do they call them? X's, right? I don't know. How do you? I don't know. It's it, it just they got it tweets. done, and we move on. Good, exactly. There is hope out there. <laughs> there really is. There is a funny moment where uh, Rodney Ellis says, "You know, I would compliment you, Tom Ramsey, but I don't know if that's going to help you or hurt you." <laughs> well, I'm going to stay in the political space here for my overlooked story. Taral Patel is running for Fort Bend County Commissioner for Precinct 3, and he's been a lifelong public servant with previously serving as Chief of Staff for Fort Bend County. He's also been recognized by President Biden to serve as a liaison for the office of the White House, and he has done it all. He is a lifelong public servant. Well, since his campaign launched, he has received several xenophobic and racist remarks on social media, being a person of Indian descent. He shared them on social media earlier this week and took the high road. But the reason I'm pointing this story out is that he's sharing these so we can shed light on what's happening. And of course, he is tackling these racist remarks with positivity and continues to say that he just wants to make Fort Bend better for everyone. And, you know, the old saying is racism is alive, but they're just concealing it. Not anymore, Mm -hmm. because these people are putting their names on it on Facebook. They are saying some vile stuff. And I just want to applaud him for the way he's handled this situation. That's all I got to say. That's all I have Mm -hmm. to say, guys. (sighs) I got to say, I think people, uh, they see the world change around them. And rather than changing with it, rather than viewing it as a good thing, they try to hold on desperately to the past just because it's what they're used to. 
and it is a real shame. I saw County Judge KP George was really hammering this too, really trying to bring it up to a uh, local and national level for media attention. And I think we need to shine a light, like you said, on just the awfulness that exists behind the scenes in our region. Do we not get tired of being a bigger person? I just have a question because <laughs> I, I I don't see I I don't see myself getting that type of backlash and being the bigger person saying kind words in the face of you know this type of racism and this type of negativity right well, don't we get tired and I'm speaking for us as a culture as a people as people of color don't we get tired of being the bigger person somebody help me because I'm not there yet I can only give you my experience as somebody who's worked in the media for a long time in a forward-facing position, and I've received some racist remarks. And here's what I've learned. Earlier on in my career, I would fight back and I would get into arguments online and go back and forth with a person who has no bearing on my life, right? And that was exhausting. It was stupid. Mm -hmm. You have to pick your battles because I'm telling you right now, some random person online dropping a racist remark, it sucks to read but they have no bearing on your life. You move on. You know what? You want to get in that back and forth and have that stress? Go ahead. But I've just learned that it's okay. You know what? Let them say what they need to. You can control your narrative. And I love that Terrell Patel is controlling his narrative and he's being positive about it. Touche. Great answer. I I think that's spot on. You know, you don't wrestle with the pig because you both get muddy and the pig likes it. And the best revenge in life is living well. I like that, Evan. The pig Boom. likes it. I like that. I like that. Let's go to our moment of joy. Answer, Shell, what do you got? I am happy to report that our hot girl, Megan the Stallion, is partnering with Frito-Lay to bring scholarships to our alma mater, Texas Southern University. The Houston rapper has joined a flaming hot they have the fu campaign and this features an exclusive merchandise line of mega the stallion and flaming hot inspired clothing they're saying fu to debt and all proceeds from the merchandise line will go directly towards the scholarship fund for students at Texas Southern University, and the scholarship maxes out at $150,000, and it will go towards graduating seniors to ameliorate student debt. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this because I remember my graduation from Texas Southern University and thinking about life ahead, I wasn't thinking about no debt. Okay, y'all going to get it when I get it. Okay, but to know that these students, you know, will know that as they're leaving this university, that they are leaving debt free. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, according to the Flaming Hot websites, students at historically black colleges and universities graduate with an average debt load 19 percent higher than students at the PWIs. HBCUs like Texas Southern are on the forefront of that statistic and eligible students who must have a minimum GPA of a 3.5 and be enrolled as a full-time senior with 15 hours or less left can apply online 
and they must submit a short video detailing how less student debt will help them. And the applications are open now until October 13th. Do not miss out on this opportunity. Now, you guys know Texas Southern University is not the only HBCU participating. It's just this particular line of clothing is directly going to Texas Southern. The application is open to all HBCU students who are seniors with 15 hours or less left with a GPA of 2.5. That made me happy. I love that. Two things. I really need to see Evan get a hot girl club sweater, all right, for the podcast. And number two, while this is a great story, and I love all these stories where students are getting their debts erased, can we just lower the cost of education? You know, can we lower the cost and maybe take that whole thing out instead of, you know, like having these great stories like, yeah, we've erased it. Why don't we just lower the cost of college? That'd be awesome. I like That's it. All. I like all right, it. Evan, how about you? Moment of joy. Uh, my moment of joy was, and I'm going to go back to Rice football again, was watching the Rice mob take on the HISD takeover, making fun of Mike Miles in a parody of Austin Powers, you know, classic <laughs> mob timeliness. They really have their finger on the cultural pulse here, but saying that he was Dr. Evil and going around firing all the teachers. It was hilarious. And all these folks got all worked up. They're all mad. How dare they make fun of Mike Miles? Uh, you know, get some thicker skin. I remember watching the mob mocking Baylor to their face after their rape scandal, doing a show in honor of the number nine, as in Title Nine, or the time they made fun of Rice's former coach, Todd Graham, when he fled to Tulsa, and they put on a halftime show about Todd Graham going through Dante's Inferno, and Tulsa complained to Conference USA, saying they violated the sportsmanship rules. Or, I think the best story is in 1973, when Rice played Texas A&M, and their mascot, Reveille, had just died. So the mob played the song, How Much Is That Doggy in the Window, and formed in the shape of a fire hydrant. They needed police protection to stop themselves from getting the crud beaten out of them by a bunch of angry Aggies. Basically, what I'm saying is that Mike Miles got off mm -hmm. easy. He did. So we actually have an interview with Mike Miles coming up on Monday, and I asked him about that moment and he did respond so make sure you listen on monday morning and number two Ooh. that baylor one allegedly art briles was in attendance for that game and saw that halftime performance there were reports that he was there so that makes it even sweeter all right my moment of joy mayor turner is extending a five hundred thousand lifeline to the b-cycle bicycle program after they announced it would be shutting down in two months now this is the houston bike share that puts out these great bikes that you can check out and ride around the city of houston well the program has been struggling and mayor turner has proposed this lifeline so we'll see how that plays out with city council and if they approve the funding and the other thing here is it's been a hard time for the b-cycle program and if you want to learn about why it's been so hard i've linked our episode with them in our show notes so you can listen a little bit more but i really hope they get this lifeline and they can figure out how to keep this program afloat in the future all right, Andrew Shell, Evan, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Talk to y'all later. That was Evan Mintz and Andrew Shell Nova. You can find all of the stories we discussed in our show notes. Uh 
that will do it for this week here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kespa. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Our newsletter editor is Brooke Lewis. And the host is me, Raheel Ramzanali. Our music is by the band All the Kimonos. We'll be back on Monday with a sit-down interview with HISD Superintendent Mike Miles. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. Hello, did something just happen? Everybody got quiet. Hello, can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about everything got quiet. I was like, what happened? What happened? Today's not the day.